Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John 12. You know, one of the things that's important is to know God's Word. Because it's not just a book of stories, but it's actually the way things in this world are designed to work. If you leave out the instruction manual, you'll never, ever get it right. And that's why I believe as we study God's Word, not only do we learn His Word, but we learn the principles behind His Word And thus you'll know how to live in a world that's designed by God to work this way. It's just the same thing of never reading the owner's manual on your car. I read a story about a Toyota pickup. They said the truck uh, went 40, I think it was 49,000 miles and blew up. And the person took it in and said, I thought these cars were supposed to last longer than this. And, and they responded and they said, well, have you done the service on it? He goes, what service? He had never opened the hood of the car in 49,000 miles. Never changed the oil in 49,000 miles. Finally, the poor little thing just gave up. There are principles in which things are governed by. And if you don't know God, you will not know those principles, not only for the way you live, but you personally. And so as we look at this today, it's a little bit of a review in chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we just ask you that you would give us your insight, your love and your wisdom, how we are to live in this world. And so Help us with the challenges that each one of us face every day and over the course of our lifetime. We just ask you now that you would give us that wisdom that comes only from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 28, Jesus is speaking and he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. It's interesting, God's desire is to be recognized in this world. Not in maybe cuss words that oftentimes people will use in profanity, but actually that we would recognize God's glory in everything that we do. Why is that? Changes the perspective of the issue. Jesus had just said that he was going to die on the cross. He said, I'm troubled over these things in verse 27. And so he speaks and God then says that he will be glorified. Have you ever thought about the problems, the issues in our lives, in your life? There are opportunities to glorify God. Usually I look at them as a bad thing. But the Bible says that really there are opportunities for us to glorify God. How do you look at a problem? 
It's the old story of the optimist versus the pessimist looking at a half glass filled of water. The pessimist will say the glass is half empty. The optimist will say the glass is half full. How do you look at the issues of your life? How do you look at a problem in your life? Is it woe, gloom, despair, and agony on me? Or is it, wow, God, it looks like you're going to do something here. Well, notice this. He says, therefore, the people who stood by and others heard it said, it had thunders. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of the world and the ruler of this world will be cast out. It is interesting that when Jesus died on the cross, the power of the devil over humanity was destroyed. Now, it isn't until Revelation chapter 12, about halfway through the tribulation period, that the devil's access to heaven is finally revoked. It's important to realize that people have a very goofy concept of who the devil is. You know, he's got a red suit, a three-pronged fork in his hand, horns, and sells fireworks on the 4th of July. Well, actually, the Bible tells us that he's the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says he accuses the brethren day and night. And if you would like to know how that conversation goes on, we actually have a picture of it recorded for us in the Bible. It is found in the book of Job where the accuser is accusing Job before the father that the only reason Job worships you, God, is because you've given him so many blessings. You take away all those blessings, you take away his health, he'll curse you to your face. And so God says, okay, you're on. And he let him do it. Job cursed the day he was born, but he never cursed God. Now, I think that's important because when we recognize that there's something more to what we see than meets the eye. That's why Jesus said, don't judge or make your conclusions according to the appearance of anything. But when you judge, judge a righteous judgment. And that's after the heart of the matter or the way God sees it. Now, here's the problem that I found in my own life. I don't always see it the way God sees it. Sometimes I am Eeyore. Oh, me. But God wants me to get his perspective of it. You know, we can have our perspectives wrong. My little girl come up to me the other day. And she says, I love Gaggy. And I go, oh, honey, I love you too. And she goes, I love Gaddy. And I'm going, oh, you're so cute. She wasn't saying, I love daddy. She was saying, I love candy. And was pointing to the cabinet where it was kept. I sometimes don't always get it. I don't always get the right perspective. That's why when we come together on Sunday morning, you read your Bible at home, you listen to the radio, it helps us clarify what we're looking at to get God's viewpoint of it. Otherwise, you will become a fatalist. There is no hope here. It's not going to get any better. This is just the way it is. Well, notice, he tells us, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake, the ruler of this world will be cast out. Eventually, Satan's ability to accuse the brethren day and night will come to an end. 
His stronghold over humanity was broken when Jesus died on the cross. For it's no longer by rules and regulations that we enter into heaven. It's by simply believing in Jesus Christ. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what are the works that we must do to enter eternal life? Now, depending on which cult you happen to go to today in our world, they will have you selling flowers in airport, wearing blue, eating organically grown foods, and uh, who knows what else. But we don't go to heaven because of anything we do. We go to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. That, friends, is the gospel. The gospel is never what you should be doing. The gospel is what God has done for you. Big difference. Imagine when you talk to somebody, and if you ever want to go fishing for daddy, Jesus looked at Peter and said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. Well, there's a lot of lures in dad's tackle box. And one of those is, ask somebody, when you die, are you going to go to heaven? And they go, well, I've done the best I can. Now, I stress this a lot because this is what haunts humanity. Because they'll always say, I've done the best I can. But how about this? How about if you and me going to heaven was not predicated or based upon your, my performance, but upon the meticulous performance of somebody else that takes what he did and imparts it to you, gives it to you. I like that idea. In other words, I go to heaven because he was good, not because I am. That's good news. In other words, I don't have to come up to a performance level. And because there's no performance level, you see, the people in the cults never know if they're good enough. I have talked to very devout people in different religions. And they still will retort, I've done the best I can. We never go to heaven based on our performance. We go to heaven because what Jesus has done for us. Why is that important? You'll never know if you did enough to make it. There's always that haunting in the back of your conscience, but have you been good enough to make it? Well, based that I don't go to heaven because of what I did, I don't worry about it. I go to heaven because he's good. The Bible says, Paul tells us, that we are clothed in his righteousness. I go over this a lot because I never want you to forget it. Because this is how the cults manipulate their followers. By having people go out, do religious stuff, some way ascertaining this this level of spirituality where you just might make it. (laughs) Jesus said, you already have. In fact, Paul says it like this. God already sees you and me seated in heavenly places. Huh? Yeah. You you see, one of the things you always have to remember, Revelation chapter 22, the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last, Alpha and Omega. Okay, remember that. God lives in all times present. I don't know anything like that. A line of time continuum and God lives in it all. All I know is my milk expires in two weeks. I'm very much aware of the passing of time. And when you have a birthday, you go, oh. You ever notice little kids? You you want to know when you get old. A lot of people don't know when they get old. How do you know when you're old? I've seen people that are 15 years old that are old. And I've seen people that are 60 that are young. How do you know? 
Well, if you ask a little, one of our kids under Sunday school, how old are you? Usually they'll say four, going on five. You never come up to somebody 60 and say, how old are you? 60, going on 61. Yeah, it's like we want to say, I'm 60, going on 39. We, we want to distance ourselves from time. Kids embrace it. See how silly they are. But the thing is, they don't get it. We become, as we become older, you realize how fast time goes. Remember, remember when you were in first, second grade, summer vacation was an eternity. Three months of nothing to do but eat popsicles and watch cartoons and have your parents yell at you occasionally for messing up the house. But as you get older, a month goes by so fast. What? My visa bill is due again? I just paid that last, ooh, it was a month ago. We forget. And as you get older, we find that happens. That's why Paul says our life is but a vapor. We're here for a short time, and then we're gone. And I believe there are mile markers on this road of life that cause us to take note of where we are. And when we begin to think about eternity, and we think about, am I good enough to go into eternity? That's when we need Jesus Christ to assure us that we go to heaven because he is good. We are found in him. And that's why it is so important. The accuser comes along and accuses us before the Father. The Bible says Jesus Christ is our advocate. He's our lawyer in heaven. We need a lawyer. We do, friends. Let me tell you, we need a lawyer. You know what lawyers do? I'm always amazed. You, you watch, you know, Perry Mason. You watch different shows, you know. The, you know, these old shows uh, where the lawyer comes in and fixes everything. He makes their... <clears throat> they, they make their dirty, rotten, scoundrel person that they represent look as cute as a Sunday school kid. That's what lawyers do. They make you look good. They're, they're not capable of doing this crime. I mean, look how cute they are. They can't do this. Well, you think about it a minute. Jesus is your advocate. As dirty as we are, he makes us good. You need that. I need that. You know, that bothers the devil tremendously. It just, it just bothers him. And I believe that when Jesus says, I died for that person, he's under my blood, there is no guilt found. He stomps out, sends his demons to harass you and me, saying, do you know what you did yesterday? You see, God doesn't want to hear it. And you know, I have to be careful because I need to see life and the problems the way God does. Otherwise, I can let my past of yesterday or my life beat me up. This is why people drink. This is why people get loaded. This is why people get stoned, because they're trying to separate themselves from their past. If you're in doing anything to alter who you are, you are not living in the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. Because you think that separating your past or your worries, or your thoughts by something else other than Christ is, so, is, is, is the solution to your problem. You're lying to yourself. And by the way, you're probably spending money or risking being arrested. This is one of the things that God gives us. 
And that's why in the Bible, David says, God gives sleep to those that he loves. Why is that? Because he's the one that settles us. I'm not always running. There's an old song by Randy Stonehill years ago. And the name of the song was Keep Me Running from the Sins I Can't Erase. And this is the problems that people face. Now, when you stop to realize, as we come in contact with non-saved people, and I'm not talking about people who go to church, I'm talking about people that, uh, you as a Christian, who are genuinely saved, come in contact with people of the world, you got to realize these people are haunted by their past. What has God told us to do? Peter says, casting all your cares on him. He cares for you. God wants to free you up so you can be you and you can be useful in the kingdom of heaven. Satan will be cast out. His ability to accuse the brethren will come. It says he's cast to the earth about halfway through the tribulation period, Revelation chapter 12. And he says when he comes down to this earth, he's angry because he knows his time is short. Can you imagine what he will do where he used to just simply accuse the brethren before God day and night, the Bible says, and his demonic minions that come out and, 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 and discourage us? Imagine the devil himself no longer accusing the brethren before God, but now on this earth to wreak havoc, accuse people to themselves of the things they've done. Wow, that's enough to really beat you black and blue. Jesus goes on and says, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. He was speaking of the cross here. Not in a song where I lift Jesus higher. No, he's talking about being lifted up on the cross. And the people understood this. Because he said this signifying by what death he would die. And the people answered him and said, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They were saying, hey, we know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about dying on a cross. And Jesus answered and said to them, A little longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become the sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, so that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which was spoken, Lord, who has believed our report? And whom have the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah again says, he has blinded their eyes, hardened their heart, lest they would see with their eyes, understand with their heart, lest they should turn so that I would heal them. What a weird prophecy. Now we need to look at this because it's predicated upon what Jesus said earlier. You know, friends, if you ever come across something in the Bible that seems to be hard to understand, there is something about it that we need to do further research. God is not a hard, mean God. In fact, Jesus said it best, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? That means he didn't make it hard. He made it easy for us to come to him. 
Well, what does this mean? Notice he says, walk in the light while you can. Why is that? There is a point where the Holy Spirit has visitations upon people. The Bible says in Genesis that his spirit will not always strive with a person. In other words, a person wants to reject the goodness of God, the obvious wooing of the Holy Spirit. God says, okay, you want to be hard-hearted? I'll leave you alone. And the Holy Spirit leaves. And I believe that Holy Spirit only comes back to that individual through the saints praying for that person. That's why I believe it's important that we as Christians pray for the lost. Pray for your relatives. Pray that the God of this world, this Bible says, who has blinded their eyes, will see the great opportunity that Christ Jesus offers them to not only have their sins forgiven, their past cut, and an eternal life worth living. Now, notice what it says. They saw a lot of miracles that Jesus did. You know, a lot of people think that. Oh, if my Uncle Fred could just see a miracle, oh, he'd believe in God. Well, you know, friends, there are people that will see miracles and will believe. That's good news. The bad news is people will see miracles and harden their heart even more. Case in point, Pharaoh. Nine times, God showed Pharaoh he was not God. On the 10th, the death angel came through, which was a fulfillment of who Jesus would be as he would keep the death angel from entering our lives because we put the blood of the lamb on the door of our heart and keeps the death angel away for nine times. And if you want to count the 10th as the final one, Pharaoh hardened his heart. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Ooh, what kind of a mean God does that? Hardens, hardens Pharaoh's heart and then punish him for it. God in heaven goes, <laughs> Well, that's what a lot of goofy doctrines out there teach. That God put people on this earth to send them to hell. This is kind of the ultra kind of Calvinistic idea that's out there, that everyone's predestined. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. It's imbalanced. Again, God lives all times present. He already knows the decisions that you and me make. Otherwise, God would be learning. And if he's learning, he's not God. So God lives in all times present. He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. First and the last. That's what that means in the Old Testament, or whether you're looking at the claims that Jesus Christ made in Matthew cha- or Luke, Revelation chapter uh, 22. Here's why God lives in all times presence. Just because God knows the decisions I'm going to make doesn't stop me from making those decisions, nor you. Now, the reason why this is important, because there's these ideas that go out there. If you do not know how to defend yourself against these kinds of doctrines that come at you, they would even sound believable. I mean, these guys are good. They come to your door. They all dressed up. They look, they smile. They, uh, they give you literature and things like this. And they'll hopscotch you through the Bible, looking at only certain verses, never in balance. And thus we have a whole world Ah, filled with a lot of people that don't know what they believe because they don't look at the entirety of Scripture. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store. 
or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.